0: Welcome back to another edition of Big City Catholics. I'm Deacon Kevin McCormick. I'm the superintendent of schools in the Brooklyn Diocese, and I'm here with Bishop Robert Brennan. I'm replacing Father Chris this week. He's in a communication workshop in Rome, and uh, we can't wait for him to get back. But I'm glad he's not here because I love to do this.
1: And I'm glad you're here with me again. Always glad to have Father Chris, but I'm very glad. I always enjoy talking with you, Kevin. You're very kind.
0: You're very kind. Let's start with a prayer, as we always do. Uh, we're always in the presence of our God. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, so much is on our plate. So much needs to be done. So much needs to be said and heard. But there's so much that confuses us as well. Our prayer today, Lord, is that we hold on to what's truly important and to let us let go of those things that are not. In our Blessed Mother's intercession, we pray.
1: Amen. Amen. It, it's good to catch up with you, uh, Deacon Kevin. We were together this, just this last week, in fact.
0: We went to Nazareth High School, which is maybe one of our best-kept secrets in the diocese. Principal Robert DeRay and the kids and his faculty, his staff, his campus minister, what a tremendous experience it was being with them. And if I may say so, you were on fire in your homily. And, and I, I've had the opportunity to hear you preach for years, for years. And you're good, but you were on fire last week.
1: There was something being there that I responded to one of the uh, fellows before me. He says, are you preaching today? And I said, yeah, I am. <laughs> and I, I think he meant something different mm-hmm. by, are oh, you preaching and are oh, you just doing the homily? I think he, he laid out some expectations.
0: And you, you met them. You met them. And it was dramatic. I liked it because we spoke about deacons, which I'm always a, a big fan of. But it was also weighing, bringing a bringing community that might be easily forgotten. They're in a small school. They're less than 400 right now, but they're growing. Every year they're growing, certainly under Rob's leadership. And they're doing some great, great things there. And what I love about it is it's focused on the kids. It's the kids, it's the kids, it's the kids. And it's not the jock, it's not the academic,
1: it's all of them. Here comes everybody. I think that's going to be a theme of today. I think so. And, you know, I call it a hidden gem. And the reason I say that is, for me, it's not a place I knew well. I had heard about it. I knew it was small. I didn't know really what to expect. Some of our other schools, even before I came to Brooklyn, when I was living on the island, I knew, I knew Zavarian, I know St. Francis Prep, I know Cathedral, I know a lot of them. But I really didn't know Nazareth. Like you say, it's small, but there's something very, very powerful. We had a chance to sit with some of the kids, a representative group of the kids at Lunch and I think that's one of the things they enjoyed that it, that it is small and that they could interact with each other and I think it's just a great place where young people can discover and reach their potential
0: We at the lunch we were in a big square, and there maybe with thirty kids there and in the big forum it was very it was stayed, it was like you know it was a look, but then like after the meal, you went clockwise, I went counterclockwise, and we we sat with little groups of kids and made our way around. That was the best part of the trip. It
1: really was. And it is funny, those young people were very chatty and had some interesting questions and good questions. The other thing is they come from all over. Exactly. To go to that school. I think they were kids from New Jersey. Yep. Yep, yep. So they crossed two rivers to get there, and then others from out on the island.
0: Yep, it's amazing what's there. It's a real exciting place. I swapped a few recipes. My curry goat recipe that I'm going to bring home, I'm very excited about that. Three different recipes for pernil and gandules and uh, arroz. So... I'm very excited about that. So (laughs) I'll let you know how that
1: goes. (laughs) You know, I had um, another visit during the week. It was sort of a last minute thing, but it was senior night for Laughlin High School for their baseball season. Another great school. That's our oldest. Yeah, and it's named after our founding bishop. They had their senior night, and it was somebody from Cathedral Prep who had mentioned it to me that they were playing down at Mamadi's Park, where the Brooklyn Cyclones play. And so that was a real uh, treat for them, to be able to play on a minor league Mm -hmm. ballpark field. And so I got down there, I was able to spend some time with each of the uh, cheering sections. Same thing, I got to know, I've been to Lachlan a couple of times, but I got to know some of the parents now, and just what a great commitment and great love. At Cathedral, I know some of those fellows already because of the school visits there. It was just great being at Mahamadi's. And, and you know what struck me? Both teams, they were really great sports. Mm. They really were. They just, if you don't mind my saying, they were gentlemen, real gentlemen. And that's something we're very field. proud of in
0: our schools. And 99 out of 100 times, that's exactly how they treat each other, how they work on the field, on the court. They're rough, but then afterwards there's a handshake, there's an understanding, and there's another day. What's interesting is when you see these guys years later, decades later, and they remember like the bruises they got under the basket or, or, or on the, the gridiron or in the ball field, and now they're sharing a, a beverage and they're telling their stories. It all comes full circle. That's one of the beauties of Catholic education is the echo that goes. It's not just the eight years in grammar school. Now it's 11 years in grammar school or four years in high school or, or four years in our colleges or four or six years in our colleges, but it echoes out.
1: So it was a fun week being around the uh, schools, and right now I'm in confirmation season. So. What is that
0: like? So when we see confirmations, we see one, maybe two in the parish. So we're blessed with many great bishops here at your auxiliaries that, that work with you. We have our retired bishop, Bishop DiMarzio. But we also have 100-and-something like parishes. So we understand the ceremony, I get it, and the, the sacrament and the importance of it. But I'm looking at like, the day-by-day, day, like, how do you guys do that?
1: It's, for me, it's actually more energizing than it is draining. So it's a parish visit. And to me, it's about a number of encounters. It's encountering the kids, encountering the parents. Here in Brooklyn and in Queens, our confirmations tend to be smaller than what I remember from being on Long Island. So, you know, in Nassau or Suffolk, we have fewer parishes, but about the same number of people. So everything is big on the island. So you, you mentioned multiple sessions. You, it, would not be, it would be more common than not to have two or even three sessions in a day. When you had confirmation on Long Island, you were booked for the day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Here, we have many more parishes, and in some cases we have to combine them, but they tend to be small. So I know there are even larger, but 50 is kind of, wow, that's a, that's a big yeah, confirmation. Yeah. No, we have larger ones. We have some that are up uh, over 100, um, but they tend to be a little smaller and that lends a different kind of a dynamic. So I enjoy getting there ahead of time and meeting with the young people, those to be confirmed. And when it's a smaller group, you can spend a little bit more time in a conversation. I learned a long time ago They'll never remember what the bishop said, but they might remember that they said something to the bishop. And it really is just getting to know them. What are their interests? Where they go to school? What kinds of things they do for fun? What are they interested in school? Why they chose their confirmation saint. Now, sometimes I'll raise the question and you get a short version of their confirmation saint report. But sometimes it's a very, very personal reason. Sometimes it's because of a connection with the saint. Sometimes it's a family devotion. It's always always fascinating and i tell them and it's true i tell them i find that i pray better when we're in the church because i sense some kind of a connection than had i just walked in and met them cold right there and then the other thing is i'm hoping they might look at me at that point and say okay he he's not so bad right right (laughs) we
0: i had the the pleasure of being with you at, at visitations confirmation about a month ago i guess and there were three main events for the kids, from my perspective. One was when you sat with them. You went to the small groups, which we saw you do at Nazareth. And that's, that's one of your, your strengths, You know, to sit there in an intimate group and kind of take away the awesomeness of being the ordinary, and, and you do that well. Then obviously the sacrament itself, the anointing, the intimacy of that, the shaking of the hand. But then, and this is not in the right, but the taking of the pictures, which can be endless, but they are so excited to be with with Bishop Brennan it's so cool. well
1: again it's another moment of encounter that's how I see it I tease I say really there are three parts now to the Eucharist the liturgy of the word the liturgy of the Eucharist and the liturgy of the photograph mm-hmm. but um it's less about the photos it really is just a moment again to speak to somebody call them by name sometimes to make a connection to meet their parents their sponsor it's all a matter of seconds. It's, it's not like you have this... But for them, it's deep not. In, but it's an encounter. Right, it's right. It's not like you have a deep conversation, but it is an encounter. Sometimes I remember their name or I see their name, but sometimes I have to ask their name a third time. Yeah, yeah. But it's just that connection individual.
0: Now, will you allow me to pivot on that? So we have that experience, and we'll have, in the case of visitation, it was a pretty intimate number, but it can be much larger in other places. People come to you, and to kind of play off the James Joyce thing, here comes everybody... And and you have those who are devout, those who follow you. They know everything. They listen to this podcast. There are others that have no clue who you are. They've just come in. This may be their first uh, liturgical event since the last funeral or the last wedding. And yet, they all have a place at the table. I wonder sometimes, in the Acts of the Apostles, we find that there are numerous types of Christians. Numerous guys. And they don't like each other. And they fight with each other. And I'm the real Christian, or I follow this one, or I follow that one. I sent you a meme a year ago, and it was like St. Paul says, what are you thinking? Knock it off. Keep praying. And Timothy says hello. (laughs) (laughs) That's
1: right. But but how big is our tent? Well, it's in the name itself. The word Catholic. Catholic means universal. Catholic means we all fit. What is important, though, is that we focus on Christ and on his teaching. I, I often talk about like the beauty of diversity here. We need to be diverse, and, and we are diverse. We don't have a choice. We, In yeah. Brooklyn, we don't have yeah. a choice. The beauty of d- diversity, we, that's one of our great gifts. But it's the unity of diversity. It's that all of us are coming together to encounter Jesus Christ and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So... We are united in a communion. We are united in the Eucharist and with one another. So, you know, like St. Paul would say, for example, there are times when you have to say, wait a minute, Either you're in or you're not in. You, right. It's not just a good guy it's club. It's a good yeah. ground
0: club. Like, there's more to this than just being a nice person.
1: Yeah, I, actually, there was one fellow who used to say, uh, you know, there's the hymn, All Are Welcome. So it's true, All Are Welcome, but it's not how anything goes. Right, right. And I think that's
0: an important distinction.
1: Yeah. The unity isn't necessarily in our language or in our style or in our background. And that goes back to the very early days. I love reading the Acts of the Apostles during Easter. I love reading the Acts of the Apostles, but isn't it great to see how they were dealing with many things we're dealing with in those very early days, and thank God they did because they gave us a little bit of a blueprint on how to manage.
0: The importance of patience, the importance of, of holding true, and again, it goes back to you know, one of the things you, you say all the times is we need to be bold in what we say. We need to be unapologetic in what we hold on to. But we also need to be joyful. And with joyful comes a humility, and invitation to say, come and see. I recently, Gina and I got five days. We disappeared down into uh, the Caribbean, we went to St. Lawrence with some friends. And we had some great people there. And there were people who in the past had been very much involved. And they drifted away for whatever reason. I, you know, I'm not here to judge them. But a couple of people kind of insinuated. It's like, what do you know that I don't know? Like, what did I forget? What did we forget to talk to them about? I still think there's an insatiable hunger out there. The the sound and fury of our world does not address, but we do in the breaking of the bread, in the forgiving of sins, in the celebration of the Holy Spirit, that we do that and we have to still invite
1: and not be afraid to say, come and see. Exactly, exactly. I think there are a lot of um, elements to it. We need to invite, we need to speak boldly, but we need to listen deeply. And when I speak about being bold, you know, I'm going back to a concept in the Acts of the Apostles is that Greek word parasia. I learned it from Bishop Penning, who is uh, now the bishop in Providence, but I learned it from him, that word parasia means boldness, and I, I don't know any Greek. I really, I grew up in a time when I just, I never had an opportunity to study. You see, I didn't go to the college seminary, I went to St. John's. You ended up all right. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> well, I guess so. So I rely on smarter people than I am, who, who teach me along the way in some of these things. So I didn't know any Greek, but I know that word, paresia, it's boldness, but, you know, You can be bold and obnoxious it's the boldness is about the encounter with jesus christ a confidence maybe a a confidence and i think i said this at nazareth it's from this indisputable event that you just can't deny that it's true this morning it was pouring rain i went outside i got wet and so i can tell you with absolute confidence boldly that it rained this morning but Boldness isn't about our opinion, and I think that's where we get mixed right, up. Right, right. And that's where you get kind of obnoxious. Or our volume. Or our volume. I only like these kinds of hymns. I, I only like the music to be contemporary. I only like the music to be chant. I only like this or I only like that. I think, and that's where I think you get into that Catholic, the bigger tent. It's not about opinion. It it is about being faithful to the ritual. We don't do our own thing. The liturgy doesn't belong to us.
0: It's what Bishop Murphy said. Do the red, read the black.
1: That's it. And what Deacon McCormick is talking about is in our Missal, the words that we use are in black, but there's something called rubrics, the red print that tells you, Put your hands this way, right, or right. go, right, exactly, sit down. <laughs> sit down and be quiet. No, it doesn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Bishop Murphy told me that a few
0: times, but that's beside the point.
1: <laughs> Actually, I take that back. It does say sit down and be quiet. It talks about reverential right. silence. That's mm-hmm. built mm-hmm. in right. to the liturgy. But anyway, there are certain things about us, and some of it comes from intergenerational living. There's an attraction sometimes to being around people, whether it be in our own age group or our own way of thinking, and sometimes we can get caught up in that kind of thinking. But we've lost that sense of of intergenerational living. We can think of times when people grew up with their grandparents either in the house or right around the corner, your Mm -hmm. parents, you, and then maybe like little kids. And you have to... Experience what everybody else is experiencing. And you need, in order to survive, you need to be able to listen to one another. And you discover that there's a great deal of wisdom that we can learn from one another. And I think part of what you were experiencing when you were away is that, you know, people kind of feel left behind. That maybe, like you say, they were involved at one point and they sort of like, well, what happened to? Everything that I experienced, things are changing so radically.
0: And I guess I have to change, too. You know, as you say, we're men of a certain age. The fact that we got this far, there is wisdom that comes with that. And the perception that you, you have, and you realize that the world that we grew up in in the 70s doesn't exist. It's done. But the world we live in, in in the early 20s, some great things going on here, some tremendous things. And when we visit schools, when you work with, the, with your elderly priests, when you work with your brand new seminarians, when we deal with the, all those generations and you realize they're all the lords. It's not just, just as my group, It's and it's not just the you know Irish Catholics, it's the Latinos, and it's
1: the African-Americans, and it's the Eastern Europeans. And, and it's and, the Africans. Not just, That's right, sure. well I said. Because we, that's one of the blessings here in Brooklyn Queens we meet people from all over the world
0: here comes everybody everybody. here comes everybody yeah so exciting times so if you don't mind can we just talk about this week's gospel
1: oh I'd love to I
0: love Thomas (laughs) I love Thomas for those who know me Thomas and I have one thing in common we think out loud (laughs) we say things that other people like oh my god I can't believe you just said that and in this week's Gospel, Jesus is going on on this tremendously wonderful uh, idea of he is the man, everything is coming to him, I'm the way. And Thomas is like, we don't know the way. We don't know where we're going. Like, you got to help us with this one. And Jesus is always patient with him.
1: He really is. You're right. I always say Thomas asks the question that everybody else is thinking. No one has the courage to say it except Thomas. So Thomas asked the question that everybody else was wondering. And for us, some 2,000 years later, thank God he asked those questions because those questions gave us an insight into Jesus. And
0: John's Gospel can be a little opaque for some. So I I like the side notes that the apostles offer us, particularly Thomas. That's
1: right. This is on the night before Jesus died. This is at the Last Supper. The world is going to collapse tomorrow. Do not let your hearts be troubled.
0: All is well. All is well.
1: But it's not well because it's going to be easy. It's well because he's going to be with us. He says, I'm going, where I'm going you can't come, but I will come and I will take you back with me. I'll call you to myself. And that's when you know, Thomas says, we don't know where you're going. How are we ever going to follow you? And Jesus says, I am the way. What a great line, I am the way. I'm, I'm not just the destination, I'm the destination. But I'm the way. The process. I'm the way you're going to get there. No one can get there except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you, Thomas, for asking that question. The others all have like these one-line questions, so we also hear from Philip. uh, You know, show us the Father. That'll be enough. And I also love Jude in there. Somewhere in there, Jude says, "Jesus." why don't you just tell everybody who you are? Mm -hmm. Why don't you just show yourself to the world? And essentially Jesus answers him with a non-answer to the question, which really is an answer. He says, Philip, if you love me, then the Father and I will send you the Holy Spirit. It's like, whoa, wait wait a minute. Is that yes or no? Well, it means you need to have the eyes of love to recognize me. It's not just a matter of you know show and tell. It's a matter of, A relationship it's a matter of entering into a friendship
0: and I think Bishop that's the key because love changes you when you're in love with a person when you're in love with a a friend marriage or or a child or whatever the case is you become vulnerable and in a sense I think of Jesus's vulnerability which is something people don't want to hear because he's the great King and truly he is In, in about five weeks we'll have you know Christ the King and celebrate that but at the same time he's willing to be hurt to die for us that's love
1: That's it. You know, they say love is blind. That's a lie. Unbelievably so. That's a lie. Basically, love has the clearest vision and embraces everything about the person.
0: When you see a nona or abuela or a grandmother, there's a lot of wrinkles you know except for my wife there's no wrinkles on my wife just for the record she's a brand new uh, <laughs> but they've earned the gray the marks of age are, are in the case of, of a grandparent case of an elder case of a, a great priest these are marks of, of love and the scars of grace if you
1: will isn't it beautiful yeah. you know we we celebrating mother's day next month father's day and people remember their parents but they also tend to remember their grandparents and exactly we
0: And the surrogates, how many surrogates, how many of our priests and sisters and brothers were surrogates to so many children along the way? So yes, I mean that, I I think there's several themes here. We've done the experience of of visiting a school and seeing wonders. Then we we begin to see the diversity of that. We see the the call of the the attraction of the sacraments and many different levels. There are some who, who could quote the catechism and there are those who just got dressed up for the day. And it all comes back to God calling us saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the Father. When you see me, you see the Father.
1: Now let's get busy. There's the unity, the thread that pulls it all together. Well, it's been a a great week, a great chance to catch up a little bit and uh, and and enjoy. Uh, same here. And really enjoy some of the great blessings that are ours here in, the, in this ministry here in Brooklyn and Queens. Wow. A
0: renaissance of faith is brewing right now. If we were going to sell stock in the future, this would be the time to buy because we are about to do things in Brooklyn that are going to make the ears of those who hear it ring. I right. promise
1: you. That. <laughs> That's great. That's great. You know, we were talking before about confirmation. I'll wrap up on this. I had a bunch of them, but I was at Our Lady of Grace on uh, Sunday Do you remember that rain? Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, the poor kids. Oh, well, we got out. When we finished, I said, why isn't anybody leaving the church? I I went, took off the vestments, and we're walking out, carrying all our stuff. I'm saying, all these people sitting in the back of the church are standing at the door. Why aren't they going home? Why aren't they going? It was pouring. It was brutal. It was brutal. People, we were kind of stuck right there at the door. But uh, (laughs) those are some of the fun things that make life interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm Deacon Kevin, it was great being with you today. We'll close with a prayer. So in these uh, days of Easter, I often pray the Regina Chaley You've introduced the practice of the Angelus at noon, which I think is a great. It's a great, beautiful prayer, isn't it? Beautiful prayer. And during Easter, traditionally we change it. Now I can see you keep it because you're looking for consistency. Consistency is what. That's exactly. The bottom line is in Easter, the church gives us this beautiful prayer, and I love the image. It's like the church is saying, "Hey, Mary, rejoice! Your son, he's alive. He's risen. Mary, we want to rejoice with you." Um, to me, I, I think it's just such an imaginative prayer. Um, it gives us a glimpse into things that the, the Gospels don't record, but imagine the, the church sharing Mary's joy. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit amen. amen. Queen of heaven, rejoice. Hallelujah. The son whom you merited to bear. Hallelujah. Has risen as he said. Hallelujah. Pray for us to God. Hallelujah. Rejoice and be glad, O oh Virgin Mary. Hallelujah. For the Lord is truly risen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Big City Catholic. We look forward to uh, sharing some thoughts with you next week. God bless you.